doctor, 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 each episode will feature a free-flowing conversation about one book. I'm Anita Chikathur, and I teach in the Educational Studies Department at Carleton College, and I'm the host for today. Um, I'm Todd Lawrence. I teach at the University of St. Thomas in the English Department. Um, and as you can hear, we are actually in a coffee shop right now. <laughs> there will be background noise. I'm Mariana Astor. I teach in the American Studies and English Departments at Carleton College. And I'm Crystal Moulton. I teach African-American history at McAllister College. So this episode, we will be discussing Jasmine Ward's Sing Unburied Sing. Jasmine Ward is an associate professor of English at Tulane University and a certified genius. She actually was a recipient (laughs) of a MacArthur Genius Grant in 2017. And she has also won not one, but two National Book Awards. One for her novel, Salvage the Bones, which is also, by the way, awesome. And a second for the book we're going to be discussing today. And just a reminder that when we discuss books, we will talk about everything. So just consider this your perpetual, universal, all-compassing spoiler alert. In other words, we're all about all spoilers and no summaries. All right, let's dig in. Okay. So, Crystal, before we sort of started the official podcast, you were... So talking a little bit about that perhaps the book wasn't as satisfying yeah. or it didn't quite grab you. Well, I think there was so much buildup for this book. I had heard um, from so many people that it was going to be such a great read. And, and yeah, so there was a lot of buildup. And so as I was reading, I was kind of reading with a lot of expectation. Um, and so thinking about coupling my expectation for what I expected the book be with the topic of the book and then what actually happened I won't say I was disappointed but um, I'll just say it didn't grab me as I feel it's grabbed others and maybe that's because of um, more recently I've been teaching and grappling with and thinking a lot about the issues in the book and so um what are those? What are those issues? The issues of, of, of mass incarceration, of uh, convict leasing, the impact of generation of family trauma, uh, and the ways in which uh, African American families resolve those traumas. Um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot and teaching a lot on those topics lately, and so I was looking for maybe a different resolution to some of these issues so but I think others should I think that starts us out perfectly because um, one of the things that by the time I got to the end of the novel I thought a lot about was it's a book that really refuses easy resolutions there is you know we were talking right before the podcast about how there is this moment at the end when Kayla sings the dead poem right and so that is in some ways somewhat optimistic and positive but it's not enough it's not enough to measure against, to balance, balance against, as you were pointing out, Crystal, kind of this historical injustice that is so sedimented and um, where most of the novel is pushing towards tragedies 
happening. And they never quite happen, but you're, you, I felt like I was always at a tipping point. Right. When is the ball going to drop? Right. Um, or, or, I mean, and I, get, I get to sense that not that the entire everything was a tragedy in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So there wasn't like a tragedy of scales? Right. Like, or there wasn't Right. Because even in the that. even in the most beautiful relationships, right, between Jojo and um uh River, right? That was a beautiful relationship yeah. to me. But even that was couched in tragedy. Right. Um, right. Thinking about the relationship between uh Leonie and her mother, mm-hmm. the missed opportunity there, tragedy. Michaela and Leone, tragedy. Mm-hmm. Michael and Jojo and mm-hmm. Michaela, tragedy. Richie mm-hmm. and River, tragedy. Right? Mm. And so, yeah. when you have so much loss, and maybe, and maybe that's what Jessamine Ward wants us to sit with, you know, the loss of generation after generation of mm-hmm. trauma. Go ahead. And I think, wow, I mean, you're just blowing my mind a bit, Crystal. I just wanted to say that. It's like love is not enough. That's part of this lesson, right? That there's so much love that is trying to be spoken and trying to be lived in these relationships. But it's not enough to overcome this this tragedy, this, uh, you know, this, again, historical push of tragedy in each of them. Yeah. I think Jasmine Ward as a writer is, I think like you say, Crystal, I mean, she, maybe even because of the, the South being the, the location for her writing and the source of the, 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 the sort of Southern imagination, that tragedy is just like, seems to be this part of everything. Like, I, I've read Salvage the Bones, and Salvage the Bones is very much like this, right? And um, one of the things when you're teaching that book that you have to kind of um, guard against is this kind of like... Um, poverty kind of fetishism, you yes. know, um, that students often sort of fall into, you know. Um, but it, I think she sees it as, well, you know, I can't speak for her, but, you know, just having read some of her work, um, it seems to be like part and parcel of sort of everyday existence of these characters. Right. It's something they just have to deal with. Right. Um, and it's not really attributed to, like, it's some particular person's fault or something like that. I mean, I'm, I was... I'm I'm surprised when I read this book how much I don't dislike Leonie. Yeah, or Michael. Yeah, or Mm -hmm. Michael. How much I don't resent them or have, you know, sort of animosity towards them. Right. It's a way in which I kind of understand them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like actually it reminds me of two things, right? So love love is not the solution, but neither is like telling the truth, right? Mm -hmm. So I was thinking that maybe that's, and I feel like your point about that it's like tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, but also, right, historical tragedy with like particular tragedy with, Right. right, kind of like these things. And I was like, maybe that's part of the problem too, right? So like the truth doesn't set us free, but neither does like what does it mean to like hear these stories over and over right, again? Right? right. These stories of tragedy. Like right. what do we do with that? Yes. Right. And what do we do yes. with that like as readers, but also what do we do with right. that? Like with the characters. Right. 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 And that's specific thing about like River's story about Richie and you like Lord the shocking ending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you know and River hasn't told um Dojo, Dojo that the right. end, right? right? But then he says it and like I had this expectation and Richie has this expectation mm-hmm. that it's gonna like mm-hmm. free him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't. Right. And I don't know what to do with that, right? Like, I was like, does that mean, yeah, like, but love isn't, isn't enough? I don't know. Yeah. Isn't that like, I think, you know, stories can mm. both free and enchain us, yes. right? Yes, yes. You know, and I'm thinking of, I, I don't know if you guys ever read this book, Carigador. It's one of my favorite books by Gail Jones. Great novel. But in that book, there's a, 
there's a kind of central story in the book that generations of people tell to each other, generations of women tell about their own um, subjection. And there's a way in which it's empowering, but also um, confining and sort of um, at the same time traps them. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. I mean, so I think stories have the power to do that because right. this the same way tradition is like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, there, we always learn in folklore classes that um, uh, you know there's this sort of conservative power of tradition, like the, and then there's a dynamic force of tradition. So tradition is trying to hold something the same, oh, and yeah. then as mm-hmm. you engage in tradition, you're trying to change it. Okay. Right. So I mean, I see that with Leonie. I see that with Jojo. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. How, you know, part of the thing with. Leonie and, her, and ma'am is, you know, she's not connecting on the tradition, right? Like she's, yeah. and JoJo's always like, don't do that. You're going to kill someone. You don't know what right. to do. Yeah, you do yeah, not yeah, know yeah. what you're doing. Right. right. <laughs> um, but the, so that's like a sort of a natural part of the passing of tradition, though, yeah. is that something huh. gets lost. Right. And that the individual person then has to improvise, to like fill in the gaps mm-hmm. of what's lost. You know? mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a kind of like a complementary kind of forces that push okay. against each other. Yeah. It, it also really yeah. lays bare the way in which song, you know, in Kayla's mouth becomes mm-hmm. whatever kind of redemption we have yeah. at the end, right? Yeah. It's in her. And yeah. making me think that there's something about the newness of her voice mm-hmm. and the kind of way in which she's still not embedded deeply within right. these stories right. and histories. Right. Although she's just recently started calling Leonie right. Oni instead of calling her mama, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. means that she's at this precipice where she's about to become part of these tragic stories, I think. Mm-hmm. And she also sees Richie, right? She also yeah. sees him. Yeah. Um, so on page 183, I just wanted to take us to one of those places where we learn more about songs, right? Um, And uh, Jojo's in the car when they're coming back from Parchman and Richie is there and Richie is trying to explain to him what he needs, right? Uh, And he says, um, this is my way to find that. Find what? A song. The place is the song and I'm going to be part of the song. And I love Jojo at this moment because it's like, I... That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he says, it will. It's why you can hear animals see things that ain't there. It's a piece of you. It's everything inside of you and outside of you. There's something so, you know, that this book is getting to of the omnipresence, right? Like past, present, future, all together. Mm-hmm. Animals and humans, we're, we're all, you know, together yeah. trying to... Um, melt the walls between these different experiences um, and the song is when you lose that I think when you when you lose the walls hmm. and I wonder if that's like the problem though right yeah. like I was thinking about your initial point about like you've been reading all this stuff about these issues and like so this book didn't necessarily like blow you away in terms of like talking about those things right. so I'm wondering if like there are too many walls that are dissolved between like history and right so she's trying to like do a lot in there right like there's parchment and like the history of all of that and yeah. like all the you know there's like all that description of all the souls that are kind of at the mm-hmm. end right and there's like a lot of different stories that are being brought into the text right so I don't know if that was that kind of part of it like well, was it just I mean, too so part of So the, the, the central, so one of the things that I was, we didn't get them on the, good get, we didn't get them going on the journey to Parchment to like halfway into the book. Like they hadn't left for Parchment yet. And so there's this huge setup for this Parchment trip. Um, 
and and prior to the setup to the parchment tri- parchment trip, kind of we're getting we're under we're understanding JoJo's perspective, Leonie's perspective. Um, we're getting a little bit of um, uh, Mam's uh, history and her, you know, herbalism. Um, but it just it, I didn't see how everything was connecting. And it oh took too long. I feel so, I disagree so completely. <laughs> um, but I love that, you know, like figuring out what this is about, this disagreement. Yeah, yeah. I think I was telling you guys earlier yeah. that I'm fascinated by the braiding. I think of, this mm. is a braided novel. Mm, okay. In the way that yeah. these voices, and I, I think the case I was making earlier before we started the podcast uh-huh. is that the stories at the beginning, you don't see the braid yet, but right. towards the end, they really tightly move together. Right. Um, and it's, so it's like almost like you've got this loose plate and then yes. you start to see how woven it is but in these ways that are about perspective changing yes so my example was how um wait let me get my little sheet mm-hmm. um like right at the end you're not supposed to say you have a sheet that way <laughs> nobody would know no, that exactly. you don't need sheets to talk right about books right. <laughs> so like so they coming back from parchment they first go to michael's parents Right. And Leone sees Michael's mom right. and she's yes. like, she calls her a rabbit. She's like, because of the coat she's wearing yes. and, and mm-hmm. just the yeah. way her body works yes. and her face there. Yeah. Um, and then in the very next chapters, we get into Jojo's voice. He calls himself and Kayla rabbits as they run to, to mm-hmm. pop, right? Like mm-hmm. away from Michael and Leone. Yeah. And so like, there's this like image mm-hmm. that's used by both of the speakers, but in really utterly yeah. different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I, ha- you know, so like as a reader, yeah. we're basically forced into these different perspectives right. as we move through the brain. Right, right. So that you were saying earlier, Anita, that, and you too, Todd, that we feel empathy for all of them, yeah. in spite of the fact that they can't have empathy for, for each, each other us. because of what they've been through. They are wrapped yeah. in their own uh, platelet. I'm sorry, I have no clue what the term of what. What's one single strand of a braid called? A plat. A plat? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Did you say Let's go with that. A cornrow. <laughs> no, a cornrow. I know that. <laughs> Podcast fail. I do not look up the term. A plat. I think it's a plat. <laughs> or a cornrow. Like a plat. Yeah, one row. But we have to negotiate all of them. But also, kind of like a braid, there's not really a fantastic climax to the braid. There's just right. what's going on and on. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, and I was thinking, you know, you talked about the kind of the narrative structure, which yeah. puts us back and forth, right? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that did really um, strike me the way that as the novel unfolds, those perspectives begin to, as you said, braid together. Right. And I think it was it's around chapter seven and eight where you get the scene. Um, with the cop where the yeah. cop stops him mm-hmm. yep, that's it. and you get it from Leone's yes. perspective yes. and then you get it from Jojo's perspective or right. either yeah. one way or the other yeah. Yeah. I think it's Leone um, and then Jojo Leone and then Jojo and that's yeah. an absolutely pivotal pivotal scene right. in the book because I mean for me it was because mm-hmm. like we haven't even really talked about motherhood in this book <sighs> which is yes. like a huge thing right? yes. and yes. that's the first time yes. in the book where you might say that Leonie sort of has this kind of like, right. um, you know, motherly kind of instinct Thanks. that jumps mm-hmm. out of her despite right. how she seems to feel most of the rest of the time. And yet she can't follow on. Follow on. Right, she can't. She's in, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Mm. Yes. So, you know, at the right before she dies, ma'am says to Jojo, you know, I, I'm going to paraphrase, you know, basically you can't trust Leone, right? right? right. Yeah. She, she won't feed you or something. She won't feed yeah. you. That's why I have already. Right. She has no mothering instinct. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. by that time in the novel, we recognize that um, it's not that she has no mothering instinct. In fact, in some ways, uh, she loves him too much. He is given, right? He's another given. Um, and so her mothering is always tinged by that anger and sorrow at his death. And the relationship with Michael is also like touched by that loss. Right. Um, and then when we, when we find out that Pop, too, right, like sees Jojo as as a reincarnation in some ways of Richie. of Richie. Richie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, braids, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. These relationships that reemerge. And, and you know, maybe maybe I'm glad you brought up uh, motherhood. Yeah. Cuz I think I was also Again, these are my expectations. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a problem sometimes with expectations. Oh, there goes. But I just wanted so much more for the mother-daughter, mother-child relationships in this book. Cause, you know, and what across I want, generations. Across generations. Yeah. And I guess what I wanted, I mean, I guess I am just a hopeful person. And so what I wanted was for, despite the tragedy, mm-hmm. I wanted some but, joy. But and, there are, there are. It's, it's, yes. it's JoJo and Kayla. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Pop, yes. Pop and JoJo. Yes. I mean, you, you yes. get some really right. strong... Right. I mean, I find yes. those to be some of the most mo- moving moments when Pop yeah. says, mm-hmm. when he just calls him boy, or he says, yeah. he gives him the, the yes. fetish bag, you know? Like, yes. I mean, all yes. those... And they are... Yeah. Like a lot of in a lot of relationships, these sort of small nuggets that yes. symbolize mm-hmm. everything, yes. right? Right. Like you, you you're like, right. oh, um, right. my dad does love me. <laughs> so yeah. you know, like yeah. those sort of small moments, you know. So. And I think, I think we also have to talk about how Leonie sends her mom off, right? Yeah. Like in the way that she begged for, and that Leonie didn't think she didn't had the to. strength for. Yeah. Because yeah. that is all mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. love, even though it's still yeah. tragic. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. love is different than joy, yeah. right? And I feel like you were asking about yeah. joy, yeah. and I feel like that's um, right. Yes, you're right. This is I feel not like a joyful book, right? Because I feel like there are also lots of moments yeah. of like love that I thought was, you know, like that when River is talking to Sunshine Woman and Sunshine Woman like tells that story, and he's yeah. like, "Don't tell Richie that. Like right. he doesn't, yeah. right. right? Like he doesn't. He's not right. grown enough right. to know." And she like disagrees, and you know. Right. But I was just like, "Yeah, like and like River or Jojo you know, with Richie or with Jojo all with the right. things that yeah. you will learn, right? right. right. That like." Right. Yeah. Right. So I feel like there's a lot of love, but I don't know about joy. Right. <laughs> and I guess I'm thinking about kind of this this move, you know, Afro pessimism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, inability to see, you know, black being outside of kind of the suffering and trauma mm-hmm. and dehumanization that black folks experience. And so I'm just I am just a little bit exhausted with that being this is not a novel to read when you're depressed. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I mean, my expectations, I'm just gonna. Yeah. I, I, I guess it, for me, it's a larger question about what it, what is the work of the 21st century novelist who focuses on the African-American oh, experience. This is a good oh, question. Wow. This is a good question. <laughs> That's big. Oh, this is a good question. <laughs> Can, can I? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've thought about this a lot too, and um, 
uh, granted, my thoughts are, you know, incomplete and, and problematic and all kinds of stuff, but <laughs> I've wondered a lot about whether, especially when authors are writing about um, subject matter like, you know, trauma mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. sort of like contemporary problems, right. whether realism as a genre yeah. is too confining for it. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. what you might get in this book is a kind of attempt to stretch realism yes. mm-hmm. and to pull at its mm-hmm. boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this book very much reminds me of Beloved, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Which is, yes. mm-hmm. but, and, but that's like an all-out ghost story. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you might, mm-hmm. I think, you, I mean, I don't know what you think. If you feel the same way about Beloved, I'm doubting that you do. When, that this book feels has less joy in it, has seems to have less possibility mm-hmm. in it than Beloved did. Yes. And I wonder if that's not just a sort of content issue, but a, a genre issue. Mm-hmm. Um, when we read Kindred, I mean that ended right. pretty horribly. That's true. But right. it seemed to have more possibility yeah. because of the kind of the speculative sort of mm-hmm. possibilities yeah. for right. future, right? Right. Yeah. Um, right. And maybe that's. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yes, and and partially because this, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up in terms of genre and this, you know, being in a genre of realism. The the moments where kind of the supernatural mm-hmm. were intertwined in the book still felt too much like that is just real life, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so there was no sense that oh, this is. Beloved's the opposite yeah. because right. she's actually she's a ghost, but she's actually a body. Yes, right. Like she's actually mm. in the real. She's, right. You can touch her. Right. Mm. In right. in this case, Richie. you can only talk and see them. Mm-hmm. But there's even moments in scenes where, like, someone reaches out. For, you know, Lanny reaches out for Given or something right. like that, and he's not there. Right. So you can see, but they're not. They're not material. Right. And then mm. also the fact that especially for Le- uh, Leone, given only comes when she's under the influence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That also kind of removes, it makes me, I mean, we know the supernatural is all throughout this book and I don't doubt that, but it makes me doubt Leone's ability to see. Mm. Whereas when Jojo sees Richie, like I have no doubts that mm. uh, Jojo has a supernatural mm. um, um, essence within him. Um, but I just wonder, and maybe, maybe that, maybe because I doubt Leonie as a character overall in terms of her yeah. ability to engage in motherhood. But you know, but yeah. so, so when she sees Given, I'm like, okay, well, is she just on a, a high? Is this a hallucination? Is a hallu- right, a hallucination, or is this really a supernatural ability that she has to connect with him? I think it is, right? Cause, cause yeah, I mean, it cause, is. Because JoJo sees him eventually, too. Right, true. right. I mean, That's true, that's true. Right. But only in that, like, novel, in the novel. She's also not high. That's true. I was going to say, right. like, there that's is a right. moment that's when... Right. She said she feels high, but, yeah. she's, not. but she's not. But I was wondering, like, maybe it's part of it as that, right? Like, when Given shows up, it's more about... It's, like, a more selfish thing, right? It's about her trying to deal with Given's death. And for, um, like, JoJo and when Richie shows up, it's about, like, resolving something for Richie, right? right? Like, right, not right, right, necessarily right. for JoJo. So maybe that's part right, of the difference. Right, It's... Yeah. It's and I'm just, yeah. yeah, I'm also thinking about kind of addiction and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the addiction covering up a deeper kind of, yeah. you know, loss or issue and so not that so the addiction being the the symptom of something deeper mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I feel yeah. like even though we get Leonie's voice, yeah. Jojo is definitely the core of the story. And so I right. want to propose actually a different way of thinking about joy. Okay. Not because I want to totally like argue against what you're saying. It's just that I came out of this, again, not hopeful, but, but um, with this affection and appreciation especially for Jojo and Kayla okay. and Pop and like the world they can build yeah. um, that I think come is the same thing I mean when I when I talk about joy. Okay. So for me what really like redeems his voice and his journey in this world mm-hmm. is language and observation like early on in the novel like it's clear that he is a really amazing astute observer yeah right and then he gets told that i think i can't remember i was trying to find the quote but a couple of times it's really clear that like he knows he's a good observer and he prides him he also has language for it which is incredibly beautiful language and so i feel like every time that i read a jojo chapter i was like yes tell it right like like build this world together so he's constantly from the very first chapter building connections between pop and mom between him and them like what are the what are the genealogies how am i like these people how do we how are we together right 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 he does the same thing with kayla or with the nursery rhymes yeah there's a way in which he is he is a world builder Um, and i find that so Hopeful, if not joyful, right? Because I think I also really appreciated him, right? Like, and there are these moments and how he cares for Kayla. Like, Mm -hmm. it's actually this really amazing, like, given that he necessarily hasn't actually had, right, like, Leonie around. I mean, he's had mom. I mean, he's had his grandparents. But but (laughs) you're like, no. Well, not no. You're a hard audience. No, not no. But, you know, so here, so here I am thinking about Jojo and him being, you know, a biracial kid who feels like he probably feels like he belongs to neither, you know, black nor white, here nor there. And he's, he's being, he's being, so you can see him as building worlds or you can also see him (laughs) Damn. <laughs> as I, I, I mean, as like having the responsibility of having to create, uh, create an environment for himself where he can thrive because no one else is doing it, doing doing it for, for him. him. Well, and so, I mean, you can say Pop is trying to yeah. kind of make up for. That's joy, though, isn't it? He's because look, look at the end. Let, let, let's okay. put that ending. Okay. okay, before Kayla. Okay. Because Kayla can't happen without Jojo. That's the thing about yeah. that ending, right? Page 281, right? Richie is still there. Oh, Richie, no. Um, and uh, Richie is outside now, though. Um, so basically, Jojo's saying, are you going to come inside? What's up with this? And Richie says, I can't. I tried. There has to be some need, some lack, like a keyhole. Makes it so I can come in. But after all that, your ma'am, your uncle, your mama, I can't. Ain't no need. You've changed. Um, and there, so like, even though it's it's subtle, there's something that has become closer and more connected. In part because of the way in which um, Ma'am has died and Given has moved on. But there's been. I want to find a way to talk about it that's respecting the supernatural story yeah, as opposed yeah. to me processing, right, or them processing. Because it's not about some psychological, oh, we've got closure. Mm-hmm. It's more like, mm, 
there are stories that have finished. There are lives that have managed to. Yeah. So is that so? You know what he's saying. Um, like there has to be some need and some lack. So basically, he's saying Jojo doesn't have lack, right? Or doesn't, mm. doesn't, he doesn't lack. He doesn't lack. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like that he's whole enough, exactly. right? That okay. Which is what Ma'am told him too. She's yeah, like, yeah. she I've that. fed you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And that whole mm. thing at the end, you know, what is? I mean, the thing about Richie, both Richie's sort of haunting. Um, and his journey to find home mm-hmm. and Mam's desire to leave the world in a certain way mm-hmm. I mean those are like you said the closing of kind of natural cycles yeah. there is a big current of nature in mm-hmm. the book yeah. right? yes. and yes. How, of being of the world and the animals mm-hmm. and the cycles and yeah. how things are supposed to work and of course mm-hmm. I mean the you know the, the invoking of you know African-based um, right. religious belief yes. systems yes. in which, mm-hmm. you know, the trees and the rocks and everything has a spirit. Exactly. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was, I just wanted to like, yeah, there's this uh, parchment, right? And this mm-hmm. unnatural man-made kind of like mm-hmm. uh, uh, life cycle right. versus the natural right. cycle. And then yeah. there's yeah. the herbal stuff versus meth. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like parchment yeah. is a farm, but it's not a, it's not a natural it's farm. Not it's, a, a, right. it's a, it's a plantation. It's a prison for men. It was called something that it isn't really, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we start with the goats and this natural right. farm right. life, and death is just a part of that. Right, right. right. Well, and, right. And but I, an honorable kind of useful yes. death. I love yeah. that. I love that open, right? I mean, I uh, love, and you know, Jojo's saying, you know, I think I know something about death, but then mm-hmm. he, he does. He has to see when he sees yeah. it. He yeah. can't. He has to go, <laughs> go right. get right. sick. Right. But which is not an unnatural response to say to go get right. you know get turned butchered. Inside out. Right, get turned I mean, inside yeah. out. But of course again it's a whole oh my god. Yeah. I mean I started reading yeah. it and I was at this like vegan place eating my vegan breakfast <laughs> and I'm like maybe this is not the place to start this book. I would see my dad clean a fish and I'd be like, Oh my god. Gotta go. Gotta oh go. god. Gotta He's go. like, There's just a bluegill. I'm sorry. Go. I can't do it. So a goat, oh my god, I would lose it too. You know, but but that's part of the whole yeah. natural um, right. cycle right yeah, right and the 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 i always think of it as a sacrifice of a goat as mm-hmm. opposed to just a butchering of a goat mm-hmm. i mean to yeah. open the book with a kind of right invocation like a and a sac- yeah. kind of yeah. ritual yeah. sacrifice yeah that, yeah. Um, yeah. that yeah. maybe reaches all the way to the end right. and is a part of that right. allowing mm-hmm. um, yeah. ma'am to leave yeah yeah, um, yeah. anyway i don't know where i was going with that to begin with but it, i i think you know that that, oh, the natural versus yeah, God, like the, like the so to close out a life to leave in a natural in a supposedly natural way I suppose yeah. which is kind of supernatural because you can see things and everything but I mean it's like the closing up of a, of a cycle yeah. which is not necessarily mm-hmm. something that we are super happy about because right. the person is leaving mm-hmm. right but it sort of restores order yeah yeah and that's the whole thing with Richie right if Richie could go home that would sort of restore right. order and you think it's happened. Then it hasn't had the story didn't do it. Right. Um, maybe, you know, maybe it's Kayla, and I gotta talk. We gotta talk more about Kayla too because. Uh, yeah. Can I say something? Else? Yeah. yeah. I feel yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. bogarting right now, but I have to. <laughs> no, go um, but I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Because Kayla yeah. to me is like so interesting, yeah. because like you said, you know, she's this sort of um, the youngest and this kind of person who hasn't quite um, acquired her full voice right. and is sort of um, constantly sort of uh, repeating. 
things, you know, smatterings of things that people say, but also how she, her body mm-hmm. is like the place where everything that's happening sort of materially yes. manifests yeah. itself, right? right? Like her sickness and yes. her hunger and yes. her like, whenever something's yeah. happening, Disney. she yeah. responds to it yes. almost like she's a barometer or something, right. you know, of the kind or of, she anticipates it. Maybe. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, the only thing I wanted to say, like, I don't think I made this connection until you brought back the goat scene, but the, like, Mam's, like, dying scene was, like, super violent, yeah. too, right? And, yeah. like, graphic, yeah. and, like, I never, I yeah. kind of didn't think about the connection there, right? That it was, like, pretty, at least in the way it's described, right? Mm-hmm. Like, pretty Which gory, like, mama's bleeding under the skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everywhere my hands touch, there is blood, mm-hmm. trenches in the sand, filling with seawater underneath the doom. Um, that's just too, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Let's let's because we actually skipped over talking a little bit more about Leone and mm-hmm. that scene too, mm-hmm. um, and mothering. Yeah. Um, because um, I'm just trying to find out where that is because she is so frantic in this moment of yeah. trying to yeah. go through the the rituals. The rituals mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in time, right? Because right. her mother is dying before she even had a chance to to decide mm-hmm. to right. make the choice to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Right, page 267, right, her mom is saying, baby, please. It's the word baby that makes me jump off the bed. Because I hear her say it now, and I'm her baby again, soft-gummed and wet-eyed and fat, and she is whole and sweet-milked. Her hands fall away from me like husks from corn cobs lamb, just as brittle and dry on the bed before she whips them up, faces them out, palms up. Um, which reminds me of your point about the natural metaphors, right? Because everything is, you know, like, either full, like, in harvest, or, like, empty and ready to, to leave. Um, and then she uh, she starts doing the whole incantation, and Jojo's resisting, right? Um, and so she doesn't, she doesn't just have to, like, fight against her own unwillingness to do this, to say goodbye to her mother. She also has to do this when she knows that in some ways it's a last brick um, between she and her son, because her son's never going to, Jojo's never going to understand exactly right. why she's mm-hmm. doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's like a little bit later, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, what did you say? Right, and, his, um, and this is Leone talking about Jojo. He doesn't understand what it means to have the first thing you ever done right by your mama to be, to usher in her gods, to let her go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but back to Kayla. We didn't talk about Kayla, but I just thought about those two scenes as kind of these bookends. Yeah. Of the ends of bookends of the book. <laughs> um, yeah, Kayla. She's also so in a book that is, uh, you know, that really deals a lot with race. There's not a lot of like, um, like really straightforward race descriptors, um, and so uh, Kayla's always talked about as blonde, Afro blonde, I yeah. think yeah. is one of the terms. I think Richie calls her a golden girl. Yeah. At some point. There's one JoJo moment where he's talking about himself as rust. And her, like, if they stay out in the sun, he gets rusty and she gets peanut buttery. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's, like, like um, so she's also, like, this interesting, they're both mixed race. Yeah. But they have different embodied ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there are also yeah. moments where um, Michaela's hair is described. Mm-hmm. And it's described in a way that makes me think, you know, that she has these kind of big curls yeah. that somehow, you know have a life of their own and mm-hmm. they get mad at it mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. yeah. with all the stuff yeah oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah and actually I mean this is going oh back slightly but it's like you know sort of Jojo's being biracial and kind of you were talking yeah. about that he has to and I feel like 
I, obviously I know that in there, but I actually yeah. didn't like think about that as much, right? Even though I know like you know Michael's yeah. in there and he's white and like yeah. right, and I was like, and I don't know why, like maybe yeah. I just, um, yeah. I guess I don't like. I'm trying to like think of like how he talks about it, right? And I guess I don't actually have a sense for like how he. The people uh, around him, uh, like I thought, like it was beautiful the way they see this kind of man in the making, right? So by the time we get a full portrait, I feel like, and with the cop, I think this is where it really starts to congeal as an image. Like here's this clearly young boy, but he looks like a Mm -hmm. young man for a white cop. Right. Yeah. And Leonie insists that he doesn't like when she describes him. He's just a knock kneed, like fat little kid or something like that. But that's not the way the cop sees him, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and by the end of the novel. She's talking about him as, you know, in a couple of years, he'll be straight and tall like my dad. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so think, she sees yeah. him in that vein right. as yeah. her dad. Yeah. Right. I think another part of my reaction to this novel deals with the work the children have to do always. Oh, mm-hmm. They're just, I mean, you see very few moments where they can just be a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just... It, I, it, it just again like the realism like of this novel where you know young black kids have to be adults before they're even allowed to live their childhoods and so I just I don't know for me like what was really fascinating I'm so glad you brought that up because actually it's in Richie's last story Mm -hmm. that he talks about watching them in a berry patch Mm -hmm. picking berries Mm -hmm. which makes me think about storytelling right that like we don't see them being kids but also Leonie doesn't have that perspective. She mm-hmm. rarely sees him. Mm-hmm. And Jojo, like, we get the early story of his birthday, and that in some ways frames mm. yeah. all of his storytelling yeah. in the novel, where he's not, he's thinking about, he's 13, he's on the cusp of manhood. Right, right, right. And he's also really, like, mm. he definitely feels the absence of his parents yes. and has taken on his own yeah. raising yeah. in some ways. Right, right, right. But, like, from, from Richie's point of view, mm-hmm. he can still see the kid in them playing. That's true. Yeah. And he is still a kid, right? Like, I mean, I don't know if th- I would think of 13 as the cusp of manhood, right? Like, no, that's, that's still kid. I don't know. Me. Like, it's still I mean, it can be both. I mean, that's. Kid. Oh, that's true. <laughs> no, no, but I feel like the other, like, the fact that, like, other people are starting to see him as that, right? Like, the, and definitely I wonder the cop if you are, like you know, that. if you are a black boy in mm-hmm. the South. Yeah. Uh, I think of. Um, Emmett Till, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He was 15. Was 15. <laughs> yeah. Tommy Rice was 12. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. And right. so, yeah. Yeah. That 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 the childhood of these children in this book are just absent. Yeah. Yeah. And that I mean I think you know what? Honestly, I'm just sad. This book makes yeah. me sad. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. yeah, I do too. And I think it's exhausting, right? And I think going yeah. back to the point you haven't made yet, but like just these, like there are these like yeah. thing after thing after thing after thing happens. Yeah. I talked to Anita. Like, I was about yeah. not even halfway, like a third yeah. of the way through mm-hmm. the book, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my god, these terrible things are gonna yeah. happen. Um, it's like Chekhov's gun, right? So Chekhov wrote this essay about playwriting. He's like, if you put a gun in the first act. It better go off by the last act. Mm-hmm. Um, we get so many guns in the first chapters of, of this novel. Um, and they don't, none of them really go off the way you think they will. Yeah. They do go off, I think, mm-hmm. but not, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, you know, Kayla and her stomach ache and the yeah. vomiting. Yeah. And I, for a second there, I was like, oh, oh no. she's, she's gone. She's yeah. not yeah. for this world. Right, right, right. Um, and then when, uh, when Leone like swallows all the meth, and I'm right? Like, 
You're like, this has to be yeah, the this end is of something. Not gonna end well. yeah. Or then, or JoJo and the cop. Yeah, right, right, yep. right, you know? right, yeah. Right. Yeah. right. So there's yeah. so many moments yeah. where you're like, this is yeah. this is it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm out of curiosity. I can't quite remember where I was going with this, except that I feel you because I think it's a book that's all about all of these potential <laughs> terrible tragedies. <laughs> so that at the end, when there is a terrible tragedy. The joy that we get, you're right, is like this joy of like, well, at least nothing worse So we happened. haven't, yeah. like we were thinking about the, uh, you know, the normal structure of a plot, you mm-hmm. know, that has this, you know, ascending and yes. then get to this sort of peak of right. crisis. And so we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you start up here right. and you're like, oh my God, when is the cliff coming? Because right. I know it's coming. And you, but you're just going to stay there. You just stay there. Right. Like, yeah. right. Yeah. So maybe it's like exhaustion too, yeah. right? Because yeah. you're like, it's like unrelenting sort of, you know. But I mean, do you think, I don't know. But I, I think, so I totally am, am with Crystal and what you're saying and what, with everyone, you know. But at the same time, I don't feel like the book... Um, sort of is unreasonable about the, the way that the, the life that the characters seem to be leading. Right. I mean, this seems really like it could happen. Yeah, oh, yeah, and it seems yeah, like this yeah. seems like it could be the behavior yeah. right. of right. people right. who are not bad people, oh, yeah. but are, you know, yeah. are dealing with difficult situations. I yeah. mean, we've got... Uh, you know this murder that's behind this. Right. That, behind this, we've got the history of parchment. I mean, oh, we've got. Well, I was thinking the murder of Given. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 then the you know everything that yeah. Pop has been through at parchment, which brings Richie into right. it. Right. Right. Um, obviously, both Ma'am and Leonie are suffering because of the loss of Given. I mean, this has been right. a right. huge thing in their lives, right. and that's probably yeah. in between them yeah. in their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like as much as I don't. You know, I would like for Leone reach out and hug Jojo, you know, <laughs> right. like touch him she or something. Can't. She can't do it. Yeah. And I understand, okay, I, I yeah. you know, I think I understand why. Right, yeah. It doesn't change the fact that I want her to. Right. Um, right. But that's just, the, that's just life sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, we probably should sort of start wrapping up, but maybe the big question we, we can kind of keep <laughs> we can keep going. <laughs> no, I don't know. If, you know. Um, I think coming back to that kind of big question that Crystal asked, right? Like, what does it mean to be writing mm-hmm. right in the 20th century? Like, writing about these things because I think that's part of a mm-hmm. bigger question, perhaps, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, could I say? I mean, I think. No, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, Edit that out. <laughs> no. Well, I think you know one of the great things about you know sort of African American literature. You know, in the over the last fifty or sixty years, it's like it's had so much pressure on it. Yeah. You know, when you start mm-hmm. off with you know slave narratives, I mean, slave mm-hmm. narratives about one thing, um, asserting your humanity mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. write, writing and and story telling stories of yourself into humanity, like that's what you're right. trying to do, right? And it remains, it, it keeps that kind of heavy burden. Yes. So you've got to prove that you're a, a human being. You've got to mm-hmm. prove that you're smart enough to be writing and to have something to say then in the middle middle of the 20th century the big criticism of black writers is why don't you write about universal themes (laughs) as if things that black people experience can't be universal universal, right right right. and so i think like in the last 20 or 30 years Mm -hmm. you get this kind of um uh, maybe branching out mm. of what is possible for black writers to do yeah. and not get criticized for or yeah. you know have people actually read it. read it and that includes like you know speculative writing mm-hmm. and other kinds of genre writing mm-hmm. um, fiction memoirs all kinds of stuff right yeah. and so you know books like this one have their place right and it might not be the most sort of like 
amazingly enjoyable <laughs> kind of right. experience or to uplifting. read. Uplifting. Uplifting, maybe. Fun. Yeah. But there are other books that we can go to by right. black writers that would do that for us. Exactly. But, I mean, if I just think about Jasmine Ward as a writer, mm-hmm. and I think about even her memoir, Men We Reaped, which yes. is about, you know, the death of, I think, five African-American men right. in her life. Right, right, I mean, she's clearly marked by tragedy. Yes. And she yes. is telling the stories of people who are living everyday lives marked by tragedy and trauma yes. and yet are still like are still living i mean the place is called bois sauvage right like this savage forest right like in both books and there are there are characters there are characters in this book that are mentioned that are from um, from uh, savage the bones ash and skeeter like she sees them they're in the other book and big henry who's mentioned in the first half of this book are in the other book and i think that that idea of this of the savage for her i heard her talk about this where i think it's something like continuing on in the like basically being fierce in the face yes. of adversity yeah. and I think you've got a lot of characters in this book I mean Jojo for sure Definitely. are doing that I mean in some ways we've got like these two alternate paths yeah. right given the book Leone and Jojo and with Leone we get at the end of her last chapter um, this choice right and it is a choice to go off and get high again Um, and she knows she's going to convince Michael that's what she needs Um, the very end of the chapter she says we hold hands and pretend at forgetting so there can be this kind of connection but it's predicated on a a willful kind of like um, oblivion in relationship to the world Um, and and then Jojo is the observer he's the storyteller he is willful remembering he's the one who has to ask Pop to finish the story he's the only one that Pop is willing to tell the story to Um, he's going to be the rememberer and the collator Um, and they're, they're they're both tragic um, outcomes but one has the possible future and the other one is I I still like oh my god this page of Jojo's last chapter where she he talks about Leone and Michael sleeping on the sofa both of them fish thin slenders two gray sardines packed just as tight they're like they're dead mm-hmm. to this world mm-hmm. they're from a water world mm-hmm. yeah. can I tell you what I love about yes. this and book and maybe we can end it, it up there okay. <laughs> what I love about this book uh, Ooh, like about time last night. <laughs> you, you talking about this last story um is the intergenerational relationship, right? So I love um, the relationship that we get to see between Jojo and and Pop and between Pop and Ma'am. And and for me, it it kind of is kind of relationship and thinking about history um, and the ways in which history is passed down from generation to generation. Like, you know that Pop is pouring into Jojo his his story mm-hmm. and right. history, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that um, that was, I think, the most fulfilling part of the novel for me. Um, seeing that, encountering that, and then also having a sense of that positive, n- not tragic less, but a, a positive masculinity represented between mm-hmm. that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love seeing that. I love seeing a grandfather and his grandson enwrapped in love. Yeah. All right. That's a good so place. So we have a ton of stuff we could still talk about. We're going to hope that this inspires you to have your own conversations. But we're going to do a quick round of what else we're reading. 
and then tell you our um, next book that we're going to be discussing. So, Todd, you want to start us off? Okay. Um, I am reading right now. I just started a book called uh, Frankenstein in Baghdad, and I think it's by it's by Ahmed Sajeri. I think is the author's name. I want to double check that. Um, but I'm about 30 pages in, and basically, um, it's a really interesting concept. It's it supposes that the the main character of the book uh, he starts to collect and takes place during the kind of height of the American um, occupation and occupation war in Iraq, and uh, he starts to collect body parts from explosions, and he sews them together because he wants uh, them to be be kind of like a symbol of what is actually happening, and then one day the body disappears. <laughs> he's he's he puts it all together and then wow. disappears, and so like. Literally a, of, <laughs> so literally a retelling of literally a retelling of Frankenstein in Baghdad. So so far it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep on reading. Uh, yeah. um, so I'm trying to experiment. I've downloaded Audible, and I've been. This is the first time I've really tried to like listen to books. Um, so I first got George Saunders' Lincoln in the Bardo, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if that's gonna work listening to it there's like there seem to be a lot of footnotes and kind of interesting citations and so listening to it out loud is not helping me figure out what's going on I think there's someone who's dead but maybe they're just sick I'm really not sure Um, but the book that I also have started listening to that is much better for audio listening is uh, The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas Um, it's a a young adult novel that's uh, gotten a lot of um, good press recently and I've just listened to a fir- the first couple chapters, and I will say it is a brutal beginning with a really amazing voice, the young woman who narrates. Um, but it's de- I-, I can already tell, if, I- if we thought this was tragic, mm. like the first chapter there is tragic. Like, where do we go from here? Mm. Yeah. So I guess I'll find out, because I'm going to continue listening to that. Yes. Okay, so the, um, the two things that are open that I'm reading are Living a Feminist Life yes. by Sarah Ahmed. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. yeah. Sarah so. Ahmed. And so uh, it's basically kind of her theories about living and practicing, having a daily practice of feminism. So I'm reading that. And then also one of my students uh, with whom I'm working on, he's writing an honors thesis. He recently lent me a book. He's writing an honors thesis on the history of public housing in Chicago. And so he let me borrow his book. It's a book of poetry by Kevin Koval, A People's History of Chicago. Um, And so I'm reading those poems coupled with living a feminist life. Cool. That sounds great. Um, I'm going to break the rules, actually, and, like, recommend an album. Um, But I think it'll make sense. Freedom Highway by Rhiannon Giddy. Yes. Um, And I think if you listen to it, or if you have listened to it, I think you'll understand why I've been, like, listening to it after reading Kindred and this book, actually. Um, And also, she happened to also have gotten a 2017 MacArthur Genius Grant, so. You're all about the geniuses. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) And just to wrap up, our next book is going to be Electric Arches by um, Eve Ewing. So it's a book of poetry, um, and it'll be amazing, I'm sure. And we'll be back at you in about a month. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Bye. (laughs) The Drip is recorded at Lake Coffee House on Lake Street in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Our intro and outro music is by KG House with a little bit of one, two, three, four. We'll be back in about a month with a new discussion on Electric Arches by Eve L. Ewing. So be sure to check out the book and we'll see you back here in March. Egads, I'm on the radio. And if the hippies and the yippies...
And if the hippies and the yippies And if the hippies and the yippies